Hello again, and welcome to Choir Talks. This is our weekly podcast at Ridgecrest Baptist Church. Um, my name is Greg O'Neill, and this podcast specifically is the talk or devotion time that I give during our choir rehearsal. So I'm just sharing it with people because you might find it useful as a part of your own personal devotion. It's those moments where I just have gleaned something from the Lord in, in my own personal study, and so uh, you're just kind of listening over my shoulder and leaning over my shoulder as I've read into the Bible. Um, today we're going to talk about John chapter 14, and I want to give credit uh, where credit is due today. The outline for this comes from Dr. Warren Wearsby. I initially taught John 14 in uh, the jail near our church and I find his outlines and stuff to be really helpful, but I was really so affected by it that I used John chapter 14 also for our students when they were on retreat last week, and um, just, just wanted to also share that with my choir as we meet this week. So here's John chapter 14. The opening sentence, Jesus says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. In the top of my Bible here, the heading that the Bible editor gave it was, Jesus comforts his disciples. But I really think it's something way more dynamic than just Jesus offering comfort here. If you um, had read in sequence chapter 13 and were reading chapter 14, you would understand where he's coming from when he starts this sentence. Because in chapter 13, this is the, um, the upper room uh, where they are at the Lord's Supper, or the Last Supper, where he is uh, sharing with his disciples. And it's, it's been a really disturbing night for the disciples. It's been a difficult night. Um, he's told them that, that one of them was going to betray him. He said that he is going away and they cannot follow where he's going. And he told Peter directly that he would deny him three times just in that evening. So when he gets to chapter 14, this is not just a pep talk. Um, full of platitudes. It's something deeper than that. Jesus knows not only that they're feeling anxious right now because of what he has said, but he also knows that they are going to face what's really the worst night of their life and the worst day of their life as they see him, their Messiah, being arrested, being beaten, and ultimately uh, being crucified. Uh, and the most difficult days for them are, are yet to come. So I think he's equipping them with some tools to face those difficult times. So in chapter 14 here, you're going to see six assurances that he gives them that are powerful and dynamic to help them during difficult days to come. Um, so the first one is here in the first couple of verses. He says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So the first assurance really is, is heaven. Jesus is making a home for us. Uh, uh, Philippians chapter 3 says that all of us as believers are citizens of heaven. Heaven is our real home, not this, this earth. The, the eternal part of us, the spirit that has come alive in, in Christ, is really a citizen of heaven. In Hebrews chapter 11, that wonderful chapter we sometimes call the roll call of the faithful, all of those faith heroes from the Old, uh, Old Testament, um, it says this about them. 
that they understood that they were foreigners and strangers in this world. But by faith, they looked for a better country, a heavenly one. So assurance number one, we have heaven. Verse 7 goes on to say this. Um, Jesus says to them, if you knew me, you also know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip questions him and says, uh, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough. Jesus says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So for those of us who have come to know Jesus and are, and are saved and are followers of him, uh, he says this to us, you also know the Father. Now, that may be obvious, but it's a powerful truth. Because you know Jesus, you also know the most powerful force in all the universe. You know the king of heaven. And there is power in that relationship. Romans 8 says it this way, if God is for us, who can be against us? So assurance number two, you know the Father. In, in verse 13 and 14, Jesus goes on to make them this bold promise. He says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. Man, that's a bold promise. We have this great opportunity, this great privilege to pray, to speak directly uh, to Jesus and to ask him for anything. Notice both times it says, ask me, it's followed by this three-word phrase, in my name. Ask whatever you will in my name. You may ask for anything in my name. That in my name is, um, is a, an important truth to understand. It's not just uh, finishing your prayer saying, in Jesus' name, amen. It's way deeper than that. When we ask in the name of Jesus, what we're really doing is asking uh, according to the will and plan of the Father in Jesus. Our Father has this kingdom agenda here on, here on earth. And so when we ask agreeing with the kingdom agenda, then we are asking in the name of Jesus. John uh, tells us, James tells us this, uh, that you have not when you ask because you ask with the wrong motives that you would squander it on your own pleasures. So in other words, if I ask God for a billion dollars, uh, that's not asking in Jesus' name. That's asking in my name. I, I'm asking just for my own ease and comfort, and uh, those things are, are not on God's agenda. God's agenda for my life is an agenda of service and advancing the kingdom. On the other hand, because of this promise, I know that when I ask according to his will, according to what advances his kingdom here on earth, then I know that Jesus hears me and answers Assurance number three is we have the privilege of prayer. Verse 16 says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Um, this is an awesome truth that Jesus has been telling his disciples, even in the previous chapter. Now he's repeating it again. I'm going to ask and have the Lord, the Father, send you the Holy Spirit. He will be an advocate, and he is the spirit of truth. The word advocate means a helper to come alongside of. Um, it's really uh, something that we might call our, our defense attorney on our behalf. If, if you ever are part of the legal system, that's 
the attorney that sits at your table and argues on your behalf and defends you, he is your advocate. So the Holy Spirit is one also who comes alongside of us to defend us and to speak on our behalf and to advocate for us. That's the role of the Holy Spirit, at least one of them. Um, so uh, it goes on to say this about the Holy Spirit. He sa- it says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Um, the world doesn't uh, accept him because they can't see him, it says. Now, that's pretty obvious truth. Try um, going to people that, that don't know Jesus, that aren't Christ followers, and say something like, I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me to do this and that. <laughs> you're going to think you're cray-cray, right? That'll never work. Why? Because they can't see him, but you know him. He is the one that lives in you, and little by little over time, you, you learn to hear his voice. You learn to, to sense his leading in your life, and you know he is real because it says he lives in you and with you. So assurance number four is we have the Holy Spirit. Verse 21 says this, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. And then very similarly in 23 he says, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Here's a powerful truth. The Father loves you. You have the Father's love on the worst moment of your life, on the worst day of your life, in your biggest failure, when you are uh, forsaken, when you're abandoned by friends or by the world, when you have done the worst. The Father loves you. No matter what, here's what Romans 8 says, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Assurance number five is the Father loves you. And here's the last one, verse 27. It says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Uh, The last assurance is peace. Jesus says that he gives us his peace. You know what the word peace is in Hebrew? I'm sure you do. You've heard it before. It is shalom. When uh, Hebrew people greeted each other, and even when they still do now, they greet each other with shalom, and when they part, they say shalom. So here is Jesus. He's about to leave the upper room, and only in a few hours he's about to depart these disciples altogether. And he's leaving them his shalom, his peace. That's a deep word. In in the world's um, definition, peace is probably just the absence of conflict. But shalom is much deeper than that. Shalom is a sense of wholeness, a sense of completeness. It's a spiritual peace. Um, one of the verses I love the most is Philippians 4, 7 that tells us that, that God will give us peace that passes understanding. The world's peace depends on the absence of conflict, but Jesus knows that these disciples are heading into conflict. They're about to be a part of his arrest and crucifixion. They're going to face conflict the rest of their lives and ultimately be martyred. He's not wish, wishing them the absence of conflict. When he says peace, He's leaving them his peace. He's leaving them something deeper, a spiritual peace that is going to be with them and help them 
through all of the conflict that they will go through. So here's um, assurance number six. It's peace. And then Jesus ends with the same sentence that he starts with, the same phrase. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So today, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you feel anxious about anything, I want you to hear this word from Jesus. Here's six assurances. You have heaven. You know the Father. You have his love. You have the privilege of prayer. You have the Holy Spirit. The Father loves you, and Jesus gives you his peace. Shalom. Let me pray for you. Father, for all of my friends out here who listened to this podcast today, God, any of them who are feeling anxious, Father, any of them who are struggling, God, let them be assured today through the power of the Holy Spirit, speaking and reminding them of the truths that are here in this word, that you are with them for them, that you will always love them. Father, that, that they have a heavenly home, that you've given them the Holy Spirit and the privilege of prayer, and your peace goes with them wherever they go. God, let them feel assured of that today, Father. And in those six truths, God, let them live. Let them live powerful, powerfully, victoriously, God, and, and sure. God, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. I hope that you'll catch us online or in person here at Ridgecrest Baptist Church Sunday morning. We're going to be discussing uh, vision and talking about vision that we feel like God has for our church uh, coming up in this next year. It's going to be a great day, so we'd love to have you either here in the building or online at our YouTube channel or on the Facebook channel for um, Ridgecrest Baptist Church. Have a great week. Mm -hmm.